And we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Realities Artist Podcast, and we're your hosts tonight, Nate and Tony. Hello. And we have the awesome Drew from You're Missing the Point. Uh, buddy, uh, thank you so much, dude. You've been like a listener. You've been like uh, talking to us on the comments and stuff for a while, and like we're stoked to have you on. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to talk cryptids with you and just like Australia in general because I, I was pretty sure you guys didn't exist. The Flat Earthers tell me that Australia doesn't exist, so uh, you're some sort of shill, and I don't know where you are. You're actually in England, probably. But <laughs> so we're stoked to have you, man. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, tell our audience where they can find you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Drew from Your Missing the Point podcast. You can find me on Podbean uh, and over on Instagram. I'm listed as Missing the Point because stupid Instagram won't let me have the your contraction on there for some reason. Uh, so on Podbean, it distributes out through onto iTunes and other places like that. Um, only new to the podcast game, so I've got a, a couple of episodes that are up at the moment with a few more in the pipeline. And I'm still playing around with get some video up, so I'm purely audio at the moment. That's awesome, man. And you were just telling me you started a new series? Yeah, so, been, yeah, so I reached out to Moral Bob. Um, we've been working together on a series where we break down and have a look at, at films to look for any hidden symbolism. And our first season's going to be based purely on Jim Carrey and all of his films. So sat down oh. and did a long doubleheader two-hour episode yesterday, and hopefully that'll be out soon. Hell yeah, dude. Jim Carrey's an interesting fucking guy, dude. Like, sometimes he seems like he's fairly woke and he knows some shit, and then other times he seems like a nutty fucking commie with, like, I don't know. He's a weird fucking dude. Uh, but shout out to Moral Bob. We love Moral Bob. And yeah, man, we're happy to have you on. So uh, where do you want to start? Um, so my main love in anything conspiracy-wise has always been cryptids and mythological creatures and all types of stuff like that. I was that kid in school who would go into the school library and I'd borrow out the Loch Ness Monster book or Bigfoot and Sasquatch. And for the longest time, I had no idea that there was anything like that within Australia until I had some of my own personal experiences. But um, yeah, let's talk about some Aussie cryptids and I can pick your brain about stuff that's in North America. That'd be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. So you, you had actual cryptid experiences? Um, yeah, I believe they are now looking back on them. Um, yeah. So I'll go through my experiences and then talk about what the specific cryptids are afterwards. Um, to begin with, when I was a little kid, mum and dad, we built this house out in the country area and my dad was always into vintage muscle cars and he bought himself an old um, Falcon XY Fairmont and he had it sitting up the back of our property ready to um, be a restoration one day. And as a kid, I was four, four or five years old and I was deathly afraid of this car. I wouldn't go near it. I'd be kicking and screaming. And my mum sat me down one day and she said, what, what are you worried about the car for? What's wrong? And I said, the, the, the strange man keeps looking at me. He's looking at me all the time. <clears throat> mum was a bit concerned about that and kept going on. I wouldn't go near it. I'd be in tears. And eventually she sat me down and said, draw the man for me. Draw what he looks like. And I drew what looks like a quintessential grey alien or something with a big head and those big almond eyes. And then it was kind of about dad didn't end up restoring the car. He sold it because we needed money at the time. And, and that was that. Um, fast forward years later to my 18th when we are getting photos ready for my 18th birthday. And my sister said, you're not going to believe this. Have a look at the photo. And within the photo, there's a there's falcon sitting there. And within the front window, you can see this like almost ghostly white image of something with arm and eyes sitting in the front. 
That's fucking wild, man. Do you have like actual memories of seeing that face or do you just have memories of like knowing that you saw that? I have memories of like being afraid of it. I can't actually yeah. remember the picture of it, but seeing it in the, the photo definitely made a few things connect and scared the shit out of me. That's for sure. Um, does you that still have the drawing that you drew your mom? I don't have that. No, I'm pissed about That'd that. That was so cool. great, which I'll have to pop up on Instagram at some point for people to see. So that was the first little experience with the paranormal and, and bizarre. Later on, it was I was up the bush with my dad because we have wood fire heaters in the most regional areas of Australia. And you can get a, a like a, a pass to go out and cut down trees and split them up. So dad went out with his mates and we had our youths there and we we're chopping and splitting wood. And I was just a little kid helping, throwing them on the back. I would have been eight at this point. And I got bored and I went for a walk down one of the bush tracks. And as I was walking through the, the bush, you hear the bugs, the birds, and there's heaps of birds in Australia, lots of lovely sounding songbirds. And you hear it all and suddenly it just went dead quiet. Couldn't hear a thing. The bush was still. It's almost like the wind stopped and everything. And all I could hear was scurrying on one side of me in the bushes. And I heard what was sounded like children's laughter like little bits of laughing and giggling coming from a couple of different sources and that kind of weirded me out and then I heard it on the other side of me and it was laughing and giggling on all sides and bushes rustling and this scared the shit out of me and I bolted and, and ran back to where dad was and told him about it and he wouldn't believe me <clears throat> so that I reflect on now I would put down to being what their indigenous or first nations people in Australia call Quinkins. So there's two different types of Quinkins. One is a, a tall, skinny, jet black protector of children that watches over them. And the other one, uh, a smaller one called a Tamara, which are like mischievous tricksters who actually kidnap and abduct children. And you think it was the latter? I think it was the latter now looking back. Huh. And especially with things that happened after that later on in life. Do you think that they fight with each other? Do you think like one's a good, one's a bad sort of thing? Like is yeah. he trying to protect people from the Tamar? They do. So the the Tamar are the, are the, the good ones, the tall ones. The Injim are the small evil ones. Oh, the Injim. Okay. In our Indigenous cultures, specifically a lot of the rich culture within the top end of Australia, there's stories of the Injim and the Tamara having wars with each other because the Tamara are trying to protect the, the native peoples whereas the Tamara are actively hunting them down and eating them. And that's a story, a story that dates back for forty to 60,000 years within our First Nations people because their entire culture was handed down orally where they didn't have a written language. I mean, how much does that sound like fairies? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. It really does. Like, um, and to the Aboriginal people, they classify all these types of things as spirits, not so much a physical thing but if they're being able to kill each other and they bleed and they're physical our understanding is that that's not a spirit that's a physical entity of some description that's fucking fascinating man I, like i wonder how much before we industrialized and before we like i wonder how much these were so prevalent because like like dude it, like if you go back to like ireland and shit and like scotland and stuff they definitely talked about fairies a ton you know, and they don't get talked about as much anymore. I wonder, I don't know. I don't know. It's fascinating, man. I wonder if like the further we got from nature or if they just have changed their tactics and yeah. yeah maybe they what, they, what we're like and what they saw, how quickly we're advancing and they retreated somewhat. I think there's yeah. a, a lot of 
ways we've self-domesticated ourselves as a species. We'll definitely, when we're in nature, we're more in tune with it and a part of it. And the more that we've distanced ourselves from it, maybe we've put the blinkers on, so to speak, and we can't actually see a lot of what's going on. The Tamar are the evil ones or the an increase or whatever they're going <laughs> <laughs> no, The Imjim, uh, they're the evil ones, and the Tamar are the good ones. So, like, uh, the Imjims are the ones that now appear as, like, adults and they wear suits and stuff and call themselves politicians. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe we just can't see them. Yeah, Even definitely. Even though we do see it, we can't see that true form. They're still feeding <laughs> on the children. So, yeah, the, yeah, the Tamar, the Imjim are definitely still feeding on the children, definitely. <laughs> and later on in life, um, but move forward again. So we had that experience when collecting firewood as an eight-year-old. Then I was 12 or 13. And the big thing for us at that time with my mates was we had off-road bikes, dirt bikes, and we'd go up in the bush to um, plantations. and We'd build ramps and jumps and everything. And there was an area where there was like a bum homeless person living out in the bush near a plantation. He essentially built himself like a little hut out of um, corrugated iron and timber and things. And we thought we were cool back in the day going over and roof rocking his, his little hut and pissing him off and making him go crazy. We just throw rocks at him. We used to call him the daffodil man because without fail, if you ever took beers out there and had a few beers and left the bottles around, he'd take the bottles and put them out the front of his little house and put daffodils in them and like try to make a home. And we were little assholes and we weren't the nicest to him in hindsight. And he always used to come out and scream, leave me alone. Why won't you little bastards leave me alone? And we always assumed that was us as kids as being little bastards until yeah. uh, a few years ago, I've got a mate who works in a correctional facility and he said to me, you won't believe who I had in a cell last week. And I said, Oh, who was it? Do you remember the daffodil man? I'm like, yeah, he's been caught. Has he? Yeah. He's locked up now. And I had a chat to him and he said, I had to leave the hut because the little people kept attacking me at night. That's wild, man. That's wild, dude. That's really fucking neat and terrible. <laughs> what did he do to get locked up? He's just homeless. They're like, yeah, I think it's just a transient of pinching people's stuff to get by, and I think they just finally locked him up in the end. But yeah, yeah that, that, told that, me a story. This is way off topic, but my friend told me uh, the story about this guy that, like, I want to say this was in Rhode Island. It was some it, one of these fucking uh, Tony. Where the fuck are you at? You're in Rhode I'm Island. In Rhode Island, man. It's my it's my woods. Yeah, so it was it was either in Rhode Island or it was one of these fucking states. There was this guy that just like he just disappeared one day. Like he was, uh, I think he had like he had money. He came from a good family and shit, and he just like hated the fucking like society and capitalism and the whole like the whole fucking system. And so he just like said fuck it and just like I think in like the eighties, the starting in the eighties, he just disappeared and his family thought he like died or something, right? And he just like went out in the woods. And just fucking lived out in the forest and shit. And uh, he was he was surviving by like there's like a bunch of like fancy campgrounds and shit in the area, like nice camps and stuff. And like he would just like pinch people's propane. He would like pinch people's food and stuff, like take stuff. And then he would just like he somehow went un like unabated for like fucking decades dude he was like he was like quiet. He would sneak into places, take stuff, and walk out. And people just thought like. I don't know how stuff disappears. He like became like a legend. They're like, there must be somebody out here. And one day I think like one guy got smart and just like, like tracked him and figured it out. And like, he had had like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it from the outside, but this guy had built like this elaborate fucking house in the trees 
and like had this like huge fucking like anyways he's like a fucking legend now and uh they, anyways they ended up catching him and i think they let him go because they he started like somehow like you know people started putting cameras and shit and they i think they fucking caught him that way but like he would have just lived out there forever yeah and you can you even with how it built up the world is there's still so much forest and bushland in the world that's hasn't really been explored. You could disappear if you wanted to, and no one would ever find you. Dude, he almost had a pretty, like, it sounds like uh, just idealistic and awesome. Like, he would just sit out there and read books. He just sat in the quiet in the forest and would fucking read. It's an awesome life. Life. All And dude, I, left all the this guy's house, it was fucking dope as shit. Like, he just, like, from the outside, like, you could not see it. It just looked like trees and this and that. But on the inside, he had, like, it was just fucking sick, dude. He had just, like, made this awesome house. Anyways, he's not a cryptid, but that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and it just makes me think it's, like, if one guy can do that and have this, like, elaborate crazy house, like, in the middle of the forest and no one can find him for, like, 20-plus years, like, there's definitely room for cryptids, dude. Yeah, imagine what sort of still from that environment. Yeah. You'd never find totally. it. Yeah, you'd never find it. Yeah. Especially if they're like, you know, I mean, like Bigfoot. Like, if he doesn't want to be found, he's not going to be found. Definitely not. Where do you sit on the position of Bigfoot? Do you think Bigfoot is a a type of hominid that we haven't identified? Or do you think it's something more interdimensional? What's your position? It, I have not decided. It's a, it's a weird one, man, because like, there's so much, uh, there's so many sightings of Bigfoot that like relate to like UFO sightings and things like that, that they'll be in the same area. And that like, if you like, cause they even talk about like, what, Tony, what's that big one? Um, like in Utah, you know what I'm talking about? The, where all the UFOs are like, uh, it's a farm, you know what I'm talking about? The um, alien farm. No. It, it was like it was dudes they had a farm and then they started getting like crypt they started seeing fucking ufos and aliens and like uh it's it's the most famous one it's the one that everybody's talking about right now um skinwalker, skinwalker ranch yeah skinwalker ranch i'm pretty sure that's in utah isn't it tony oh um it could be i'm not sure where the skinwalker ranch is actually I'm like 87% sure that it's in Utah. But anyways, long story short, like people have described seeing little Bigfoots and shit out there too. And so like, dude, I, yeah. I, so that makes me think he's more interdimensional, but like, I, dude, in a lot of ways, I still kind of think he might be an actual hominid out there. Like I had my own little fucking theories about Bigfoot um, as far as him being like an actual like animal that our government has been like keeping tabs on. Like I've told the story a few times, but I guess I might as well tell it again. So like uh, me and the wife, 2019, we got married. We went on a backpacking, like camping trip. We went from like the Oregon coast, uh, like through, through Oregon. I think we touched into Washington a little bit. Then we went, I don't know if we did or not. And then we went to Idaho and then we went to Montana and Wyoming. And, uh, so we covered a lot of fucking, a lot of spots. And then in between Yellowstone and so right under Yellowstone is a place called uh, the Grand Tetons. And that's like, that's anyways, it's a, it's like a fucking park out here and it's fucking beautiful. And we took like a little cruise, like a little riverboat cruise out there to this island called Elk Island. And one of the ladies is sitting there talking to us. She's like a forest service ranger. And she's telling us like, absolutely every animal in the park 
is chipped. Every single one we track, we like, we manage, we make sure that they don't get hurt and stuff. And she's like, if you hit a deer, we'll fucking know. She goes like a couple years ago, somebody hit a fucking deer, killed it or an elk, one of the, you know, some, something like that. And she goes, we closed down all entrances, all exits. And we hunted down, we went through every single campsite. We went through it to find every vehicle. So we found the vehicle that had hair and blood on it. And we knew who it was. We, we got them and any animal that you kill, that's 10,000 bucks. So yeah, it's a lot of money, dude. And she's like, so like if you accidentally, if a, I don't care if a fucking like a deer jumps in front of your car, that's 10,000 bucks. It's your fault. If like, if a fucking bear is mauling your child and you shoot him, that's 10,000 bucks. Like they don't, they don't fucking care. And so she's like, if an animal dies, we know it. Like when their heart stops and we have like good coordinates of where they are and stuff like that. And it just had me to thinking, it was like, it, it's fascinating to me. If Bigfoot is a physical animal, all of them could be chipped. They all could be being tracked. They, like the government could be having like tabs on them. And like it, to me, it's like this, fun idea because like I've heard these stories about like a Bigfoot sighting and there's like a hunter in the tree like he's in a blind like waiting for deers and he like shoots a fucking Bigfoot uh he gets down there and by the time he like gets down like turns around that that body's gone and then he gets a visit by these men in black like these like government agents basically and they're like you didn't fucking see anything in fact, get lost, get the fuck out of here, you know, that sort of thing. And so, like, to me, it's this fascinating idea that, like, Bigfoot could be being tracked by these men in black. And they, you know, they try to keep humans and, like, these cryptids apart. And it could be, like, it could be more than just Bigfoot. I mean, that could be, like, Mothman. It could be Chupacabra. It could be, like, Dogman. They all could be, like, and I think that's an awesome job to be one of those, those men in black dude. Uh And so like, that's like this, this idea or theory that I have that maybe they're all being tracked. And that's why we don't see their remains. We don't find their dead bodies and things like that. And so I don't know, but that's only if he's physical, but I also think it's fun if they are interdimensional because then these fucking men in black, because there's a lot of creepy stories about the men in black being like cryptids themselves. Um, And so like these men in black could be, like interdimensional, like kind of time Lords and trying to keep the cryptids away from the people. And like, it, like these fucking Bigfoots could be like, kind of like, I call them like, uh, like chaotic neutral. You know what I mean? They just can be like, just these wild men that just, you know, these animals that just jump through dimensions and they like run into people. And then these men in black have to like clean up after them. Like, you know, like the, like the old fucking movies and shit. Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely a hard one. I, for the longest time, used to be, I was a big follower of Lloyd Pike and what his theory on um, hominids was. That all Tell those, me. Um, so Lloyd Pike, he wrote a book called Everything You Know Is Wrong um, and then a follow-up book called Everything You Still Know Is Wrong. And it, he was a, a bit of a Sitchinite and he pointed out that there were five main early hominids, so the five precursors to modern-day Homo erectus. And there just so happens to be globally five different types of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, um, Florensis, the Hobbit people. They all line up with different types of of pre-hominids, <clears throat> so pre-humans. And his theory was that <clears throat> these were the actual original inhabitants of Earth. So Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yowies, all these things around the world, they're the original people who own this planet. 
And when the Anunnaki arrived, they mixed their DNA with the early hominids and created us. And ever since we're a territorial species and we're, we might be weaker than them, but we're a pack animal and we're vicious, they've been smart enough to know, hey, there's some humans down in that valley. We better bugger off up into the bush where they can't live easily. Like for humans, for the most part, we live in the easy temperate climate zones of the world. We can live in extreme heat, but it's very rare. And extreme cold, but it's very rare. We tend to live where it's comfortable. And if it's not comfortable, we destroy it and make it comfortable. So we've driven these creatures into the uninhabitable zones where they can thrive. That's fascinating, man. I've definitely thought about that too. I've definitely thought like Bigfoot could have been the original inhabitant. That exact same idea that we are the Anunnaki, right? Like we were the fucking, uh, we're not the Anunnaki, but we are the the hominids that they fucked with genetically, right? And that Bigfoot was the original inhabitants here. I totally think that that's a possibility if they are a physical thing. Do yourself yeah. a favor. I think there's, it's still on YouTube or the internet that hasn't been scrubbed, um, but it's a conference where Lloyd Pye goes through it. It's about an hour long. It's really good. Breaks down how the modern human body is just poorly designed to live on our planet compared to <laughs> apes and other creatures. Lloyd Park? Uh, Lloyd Pye. Lord Pye. Lloyd P-I-E. Pye. Yeah, P-Y-E. P-Y-E. Okay. Cool. I'll, I'll find the link and I'll shoot it through to you on the Telegram and for other people. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, send me the link to that if you can find it, and we'll put it in the show notes too so people can watch that. Yeah, but that's cool. That was my original, my gut feeling on it because it made sense. Like, if you look at it as, at the scientific lens, it made sense and it was very compelling. But the more I look into it, like yourself, they tend to disappear. There's lights that are seen at the same time. So I'm I'm tiptoeing around. It could be interdimensional as well. But at the same time, if it's an original inhabitants of this planet that we don't understand, what's to say it doesn't have those abilities anyway? Yeah, it's wild how like how the whole truther movement can just switch on a fucking dime. Like I remember the shift where like everyone thought aliens were like a physical thing, and then I still remember that first interview with fucking uh, what's his name? Why can't I think of it? Uh, uh, the globalists who the fuck Alex Jones when Alex Jones was like, like his first one on fucking on uh, Joe Rogan, where he was talking about interdimensional uh, child molesting vampires. <laughs> it was like, I thought that was the craziest fucking thing I'd ever heard in my life. I was like, this guy's fucking nuts. And then like, you go di- like deeper and deeper and you're like, he's absolutely right. That's yeah, what, I, there are aliens. That's what the fuck's going on. Cool. Yeah, that's just wild. Yeah, Alex was like, Alex is always right, man. He, there's a partial truth to every crazy thing he says. Absolutely. It, it's almost like you need to, and I think we do it as a community in general. We're not afraid to look at opposing views or other types of things and just shut down. We'll look at it and go and take things on board. Like, if you want a, a real idea of what's going on, you have to look at all the different points of view. And then generally it's something that falls in between. It's not going to be on either side. It's generally going to be amalgamation of different ideas or, or evidence. And I think that we, in a community, we do that really well. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think so too. I think that's, that's what leads us, you know, to these different ideas and like what has made us a community is like that we're just more open-minded and that we don't think inside of like the box of the orthodoxy, you know, things like that. We're willing to like, just look at these different ideas and like, you know, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that is fascinating. And I do think it's pretty interesting. You were talking about um, 
the the indigenous people there they say that these are spiritual creatures yeah that, so that our aboriginal people don't necessarily have a religion per se they have an oral history that's based on the dream time and the dream time's almost like the creation myth of time before time when our animals and humans came to being alike but a lot of the stories are humans interacting with these creatures and humans even killing these creatures and for a westerner like myself that seems like they were physical entities of some description to be able to kill them yeah, I, I, I wonder if there was a time, you know, I had an interesting conversation with uh, Juan. I think I'm putting that one out. We're going to put that one out either. I don't know. It's Tomorrow's a weird day. I normally put out an episode either Monday, but it's 4th of July, so I don't think anybody's going to listen to it. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I should put it out Tuesday. Uh, but we were talking a little bit about things, and he was talking about at a time he thought that magic was was much more, like, usable. Like, he thought it, like... At, at one point, like our actual reality was more like fucking Harry Potter. Like you could I'm actually do like magic. You could like alchemy worked, magic worked. And so they're like, and he thinks that like, I don't want to like speak too much for him, but sort of like, uh, I have to re-listen to that episode. I was completely out of it and tired. So he fucking carried my ass on that episode. I'm glad I was talking to him. And uh, we, we talked a little bit about it and he was talking about how, um, he thinks like whatever, like the fall of Atlantis was, was this time of magic ending. Like, and I don't know what happened, but like, so maybe all of that old technology and these things that they were able to make work, like these crazy fucking flying machines. If you see like some of the sketches of them, it was like a giant fucking pyramid, like these huge, massive structures, like, uh, especially like, like coming out of India and stuff. They had these like fucking crazy flying, yeah, structures that like blow our mind and don't make sense. There's no way you could get this off the ground, but they, they supposedly did. And so maybe there was like a magical time and maybe that was the time where uh, like humans were able to kill these spiritual creatures because they had more of a physical form. Like they were more in our, yeah. I don't know. Let me tie a bow on that and add to it. Yeah. We could have had, like there could have been a time where that existed and we existed around all these other creatures. So there could have been the fall of Atlantis, full of, whatever ancient civilization that knocked out uh, technology and our knowledge back a little ways. Introduce the Catholic Church and the Roman Empire. I think they knew these creatures existed and in their dogmatic view, they thought that the only way to protect people from what they deem as evil is to wipe out any knowledge of its existence because if you yeah. don't know something exists, you don't give it any power. But the Roman Church and the Catholics, they went through every European country and most of um, North Africa, and they wiped out everything. They stole all their knowledge, took it, took it back to the, the Vatican. So all that knowledge is hidden away. And over time, we've just lost our sense of all these things that human race knew about at some point. So if we don't it was like a time of the gods, right? Like there's so many ancient traditions that talk about these gods and these magical, crazy things and like centaurs and cyclops and giants and like, where the fuck are they? You know, well, they're been- coming back though. Like, like we're kind of reliving this age. Like we're having this telepathic conversation across the world right now. How That's is not- that possible? <laughs> uh, as for like centaurs, I mean, someone's going to GMO a centaur within the next 10 years like like we're gonna have these things it's gonna be really good yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what why the elite are freaking out. Maybe the magic times are coming back, and they're trying to occult it. They're trying to keep it under wraps. They're trying to like uh, let it out little by little, you know. And uh, I think yeah. if you went back two hundred years ago, people knew what was possible and what was impossible, and it was a very firm line. 
And I think right now it's like, okay, we don't have that now, but someone might make it like someone like a car that runs on water. You're like, I don't know, maybe like, does yeah, it get that? Nailed it. There's the gray area is increasingly getting bigger over time. Like, especially with these yeah. conversations, the more we talk about it, maybe we're giving these things power to exist in the world now because we're acknowledging them and we're talking yeah. about them. In the past, no one had that knowledge to talk about them. So they were, they were weakened. And now because our community and the rest of the world in cinema and movies, like even if it's for entertainment, we're still acknowledging these things and talking about them. Maybe we're bringing them back into existence. Yeah. Spells, man. Spells. Word magic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm talking to Emmanuel Kingman here pretty soon. We're going to do a whole episode on word magic and just how magical. It's, it's interesting how magical the English language is, but I also think it's restrictive. Like it's a weird, it's a controlling language, but like so much of what we say and just our vernacular and like different words that we say, like if you know the origins of those words that we're using, like they mean, they mean shit and it's wild, but it's also restrictive. Like when you say, like, I, I'm too stupid, so I'm not going to be able to come up with a solid example, but it's like, when you say this, it's like you're you're limiting yourself too by by the words you're saying. It's like uh, it's a weird magical. Like I almost think English was chosen to be like the dominant language to like keep things occulted. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, sorry, Tony. I'll just quickly jump in because um, sure, I'm with this. It's we have the exact same thing. Moral Bob and I when we're going through our our film breakdowns. Um, word magic seems to be my wheelhouse. It's something I, I notice and. I pick up, must just be my um, literature background. And looking at names, the names of every single character have a meaning in films that isn't surface level. And if you don't see it, you don't, you don't know it exists. Little bit of, a bit of a snapshot of our recent episode for me, myself, and Irene, which is set in your uh, part of the world, I Tony. Love that movie. I love um, that movie. <laughs> so Charlie Bailey Gates. Charlie is a Germanic word which means free man, which he's never really a free man because he's got split personalities. Bailey, so the first part of his surname means an agent of the law or debt collector. And what's his job in the film? He's a highway patrol officer or a state trooper. And Gates is the dweller at the gates. And for the majority of the film, he's constantly wanting to be in Rhode Island. Like, that's where he wants to be. He, he's a gatekeeper for Rhode Island as a police officer. And he's not a free man because he's a part of the system. Fascinating, dude. That's uh, so weird, yeah. I, yeah, dude. Like, they choose names and they choose places and they choose like yeah colors it's yeah colors and symbols and yeah everything yeah every like if you if you're looking for it you know what you're looking for you'll find it dude it's fucking wild yeah i'm i'm stoked you guys are doing that because like yeah fucking moral bob is good as shit on that stuff yeah that's gonna be an interesting series and i love that movie me myself and irene that's the last time I thought uh, Renee Zellweger was attractive. Yeah, yeah, and she's <laughs> not the same person anymore. You look at her like maybe they just busted a B grade clone out of the freezer for some reason. Yeah, the real one died, or she's being a like a sex servant in some weird dungeon. To <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, Tony, I interrupted you. Yeah, I just want, well, I just wanted to go back to like when you say like it limits itself, like that's what a definition is, like literally defined, finite. And it mm -hmm. has to be that way. Yeah, it's really, but I go back to the movie thing, you know, it's really interesting to talk about movies because like, it is a form of like conscientious manipulation. When you go to a movie, the whole purpose is like, I want to be manipulated in some way, right? Like you see a comedy, I want to laugh. 
or I, I see a horror movie, I want to be scared, right? So, like, the whole thing is basically you paying money be, to basically be manipulated in a very precise way. And they do that, right? So, well, yeah, cinema is magic. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you, like, you're almost sitting through a spell when you're watching a movie. It's television. television. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, television. Yeah, it's fucking bizarre. I mean, what we're doing right now, we might, like, like you said, Tony, like, talking through this weird portal, and we're somehow able to talk to people in three very far away places all at the same time while this is live streaming and people can watch it. This is fucking weird. And you know what the nuts thing is? In our screens, like there's, there's chemicals and gases and things in there, but there's, it's crystalline. A screen essentially is a crystal. Yeah. Yep. And it's not just our version of something that they had in the past and we're just rediscovering it. Who knows? Yeah, man, that's fascinating. You know, all these like little fucking weird elements and minerals that have to be, you know, these that these poor little slaves in Africa have to get these conflict minerals so that we can sit here and we can have this conversation. Yeah, all those powerful crystals and and also, like, how much of the stuff will be remembered or, like, dug up thousands of years from now? So, like, when we look back at societies and we don't see any evidence of this, well, no one's going to find evidence of this conversation or anything else that happens online. They're not going to know how to use our precise technology to extract the information from it. So, yeah, like, I think this stuff could have happened many, many times in the past. And here's, here's a real-world example of that, Tony. I went back to my parents' house with my wife. We had a, a family dinner on Sundays. And I found my old Sega Mega Drive. And I thought, this is awesome. I'll, bring, I'll play this and it'll bring back some memories of being a kid. I, for the life of me, could not remember how to set it up to a television, all because it's gone from an analog to digital system. And I sat there plugging it in, unplugging it. What's wrong? And it dawned on me an hour later, you have to actually tune the station in to make the game work. Like, and if yeah. that's for something, within my own lifetime I've forgotten about, you couldn't just find a laptop with all these shows on it in 10,000 years and figure out how it works. They could yeah. be super and not know how it works. Would it even be possible to hook up a Sega to a modern TV? No, I had to find the oldest television in the house to make it work. <laughs> Are you making it work? Yeah, it worked. I had to get a new charger. Awesome. Um, is, it, is it a Sega Genesis? What is it? Uh, Sega Master System. So it was the built-in one with um, Wonderboy and Sonic. That's dope, man. That's fun. For like a couple of hundred dollars, you can buy these little Nintendo boxes that are like a quarter of the size of the original Nintendo box. They come preloaded with about 100, 150 games. You know? Yeah. They've done the same with the Nintendo. Super Nintendo. They've got all the old games built onto those. Like, Yeah, it's crazy. It makes you wonder whether they actually had that technology back then, but they've been drip feeding it to us over time. Yeah, I think so. Maybe, I mean, yeah, some of the highest levels for sure. I, I, yeah, who knows what the fuck they can do right now. I was just looking at, uh, so I don't know no, this is true. I have to look it up because you never know. <laughs> but they were talking about uh, they have this like fucking machine or some sort of algorithm that is going to be able to predict crime like a week in advance. Did you have you seen anything about that? And so it's like, so it's basically they they've come out and they're like, yeah, Minority Report. It's not a futuristic sci-fi movie anymore. We can do that now. Well, I think the NSA in the United States has had that same algorithm that predicts riots and protests like a week out from it happening. They look at the social media um, responses and, and, and pinpoints when one is going to happen. 
Now, how much of that, though, is really because, like, I mean, let's say that they're looking through, like, Project Looking Glass, right? They're they're looking through, like, these futuristic, they can tell what's going on, and they're making it happen. They're like, hey, if we do this, this is going to happen. Like, I, so much of this shit, I think that they are, like, the, they're, they're what makes this shit happen. Like, they're like... You know, it's, to me, it's just fascinating how, like, they just struck down that thing about, uh, like, uh, constitutional uh, concealed carry and shit like that here in America. And they did that right before. So, like, everybody can sit now can have a gun and shit, and, like, in, like, in any state. I think that's basically what they said to New York. They're like, you can't stop people from, like, concealed carrying or something. It was somewhat, I have to actually read the, the bill because there's probably somebody's yelling at me. No, you idiot. It's actually this, but you know, there's something like that. And then they do the Roe v. Wade thing. Like they do these things because they know there's going to be riots, you know, and then they predict it. They're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause they're like, they're the, they're the, con- uh, they're the architect of these riots. They architect them to happen. And then, then they go, yep. Like one <sighs> week. <laughs> with um, looking glass and they can see what's going to happen maybe they think yeah. that if they initiate it they control the situation when in fact they don't it's well, just- another, another angle to this would be if i can just convince everyone that you're going to do a crime and i arrest you preemptively even if you're not going to do a crime if everyone believes you were you know <laughs> what chance do you have you just well, people up that's that's the thing too is like so i think it pays for them to look more like uh omnipotent in a lot of ways, right? They want to, they want to pretend that they are like, uh, that they know everything that's going to happen. And so the more they can convince us that that's true, the more that they can like preemptively lock you up, Tony, because in a week you were going to go and fucking kill everybody at work. Oh yeah. Obviously. You know, yeah. Yeah. Everyone will believe them if, if everyone believes them. What do you you know? Believe in science? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) this is from an outsider looking in on American politics, right? America is the beacon of Western culture and influences everything the world does. That's Americanization. It's existed for since the 50s. As an outsider looking in, I found it very interesting that Roe versus Wade being dropped was leaked like three or four months ago that it was going yeah. to happen. Now it's happened. How does that happen? Well, in a- they had to let people get ready to riot. Yeah. They, had, they had to let them get like all their shit together and get I their plans ready. I need yeah. an Antifa flag. We got to make sure we got 10, yeah, black masks. We got to start making our Molotov cocktails now. Yeah. It's on the blue. Exactly. And then then they do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's preemptive. Like, how did everyone get a Ukrainian flag right away? <laughs> during, the, during the time of supply shortages on everything, but, like, somehow there's just a backlog of Ukrainian flags lying around and, oh, this happened. Dude, and the fucking propaganda for that shit, like, uh, there's like, if you can find them on Instagram, there'll be like some fucking, like they just within the last few months, like, I don't know when the fuck this started, but, uh, there'll be like some pretty girls that are like taking scantily clad photos and stuff. And they're just, and they're pimping, they're pimping, uh, Ukraine. And I don't even think they're real people. And then in their bio, they'll give you a, a drop to like donate to Ukraine. Right. So it's just some pretty girl wearing like almost nothing and saying like, hey, you want to help me donate to Ukraine? You know, that sort of shit. Like and there's a ton of those on Instagram and all over the place. Like, 
And there's like nudes for Ukraine. There's like skanks that are like showing titties and assholes and stuff like that for to like pimp out Ukraine. And like all of this was done like that. Like this is all planned, man. Don't you find it, speaking on Ukraine, don't you find it extremely strange that in an active war zone with the, the world's second largest superpower that world leaders and celebrities can go and meet the president of that country and not have any security issues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A single targeted strike when Biden was there or if our prime minister was there would, you know, that's a pretty easy way to take out an enemy. Yeah, it's wild, man. It's it's stupid. And then fucking Zelensky showing up to every like big fucking like there was some huge musical event that happened in the United States. I don't know what the fuck it is. Some big rock musical event. And he showed up digitally, obviously, but he he showed up there to try to, you know, and then like Greta Thunberg is there too. And she shows up and tries to tell everybody the fucking world's going to end. And like, it's, it's all fucking political. Like it's all fucking wild and it's all just anti-life weird, bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. How's this for a comparison though? Like you had Trudeau, uh, Trudeau or Castro Jr., your neighbor to the North. He was so deathly afraid of his own people protesting mandates that he fled to America, yet he can fly into an open war zone and be completely fine. Yeah. The contradiction and the the mental gymnastics there is astounding. Well, like you said earlier, it's a form of magic. So everything on that stage is carefully choreographed to elicit some kind of emotional response. So if you go in there and you don't have like the critical eye for this stuff, wash over into the of it. And and there's so much that has been data mined about how the brain works, how your specific brain works from your data trail, that they can just manipulate us in this way now. Yeah, like the young dummies that are going to go fucking spend a bunch of money to go in these giant concerts where I guarantee you, like, no one's wearing a mask. They're all fucking glommed together like anchovies and they're all fucking rocking out and shit like yeah, the kind of dummy that's going to go and spend money on something stupid like that, like, they, they are the most easily manipulated. And, like, all of their music, all of their, like, all of their rebels and all of these people that, like, they, that their heroes are just more government agents, dude. It's, it's Project Mockingbird. It's fucking wild. It's like, to be rebellious, you have to fucking, like, at this point, you're buying land and you're growing food. Yeah. We're rebels, like. Own your neighbor. <laughs> getting to know your neighbor having yeah. chickens like that's the most fucking rebel thing you can do so drew what's it like there in australia like is it impossible for you guys to have like own a fucking gun is that true or is it you guys can have hunting rifles right aren't you allowed to hunt so I, I'm a hunter, so I have a hunting license, um, which allows me, there's different categories. So if you're a farmer, you can have semi-automatic weapons um, for um, pest control and for putting down your, your animals. Um, that's a category C. A category B is a long-arm and a short-armed rifle, so you can have shotguns and rifles. And then category A is just um, small-bore shotguns, essentially. And then there's other categories after that to have pistols and things that are very hard to get as a civilian. Um, so I've, I've got a hunting license. I have to have, be registered to a hunting group. I have to attend meetings once a month. Um, we have to have really stringent laws on storage and ammunition needs to be stored in separate lockers and have to be certain steel thicknesses and everything like overregulated. Um, that all came about from our Port Arthur massacre when 
uh, a man supposedly went into a, a cafe, the Lint Cafe in Tasmania, and conducted the biggest mass shooting in Australian history. How um, many people died? I can't recall off the top of my head. It was quite a few. The issue being that there's a lot of inconsistencies around it. I'd love to do just a whole episode on Port Arthur because it's, it's still a very contentious issue in Australia. I think a lot of people now looking at it and especially seeing things that happen in the US and now thinking, well, a lot of it doesn't add up. So at the point we can have firearms, um, we can't have, generally we can't have pistols, we can't have semi-automatics. Generally what we have is we can't have pump-action shotguns, we can have double-barrel shotguns, bolt-action rifles, um, straight-pull shotguns, which is essentially the same thing as a pump-action anyway. It's just got a bar on the side you pull to pump it. Yeah. Um, lever actions we can have, but it's a very regulated system and you can only have it for hunting or for sports. So if you're clay shooting, like I do a little bit of clay shooting every now and again, that's fine, but there's no uh, reason within our constitution for to protect yourself to have a firearm. We can't even have pepper spray in our state or um, noise alarms for women at all. So really- wow. I don't see the reason for that at all. Like the noise one is fucking wild to me. Yeah, it's it's not so um, even in our state they recently made gel blasters illegal. So gel blasters are like a step below a paintball gun. They fire like a little gel bead and they've been outlawed in Victoria because they're so close to being a repro- reproduction firearm that it's dangerous for the public. Yeah, there's replication, so Yeah, you might get shot with a gel bead. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> anyone with a three D printer out there, they could do all sorts yeah. of things, but are you allowed to have 3D printers? We are at the moment, but I can see that being knocked back very quickly. Well, you can make a 3D printer with a 3D printer. I don't know how to do it, but <laughs> once you got one, I mean, they just replicate. That's it. Yeah, that's wild, man. Uh, and that, yeah. also, you had a question about how many people in Australia don't live in Melbourne or Sydney or major cities. Well, yeah, like what's the population of like the more rural areas is there like uh, a significant question i'm in victoria where our state capital is melbourne so that's state you're yeah. uh, capital referring to before there's roughly five million people that live in melbourne itself which is very small compared to the rest of the state the state is massive and only roughly 1.5 million live outside of the capital city so it's literally very close to you're going to live in a city in a pod and eat the bugs Okay. Yeah, making life for people in rural areas really hard. We no longer have logging in our state anymore. Our state was built on um, the logging industry and um, producing paper and coal, and a lot of those things that are considered bad for the earth and anti-green are being limited and shut down at the moment. And it's forcing a lot of people to have to go to the city to find jobs. That's nuts, man. That fucking sucks. Um, Tony, do you have you heard anything about this? Like, I heard like. June has been nuts for the Supreme Court. Like, so they did that thing about guns, right? And then someone was saying that they just, they like got rid of, I, I don't know this for a fact, so don't fucking quote me on this. But someone was just saying that they just knocked down uh, the thing about like uh, like machine guns. Is that true, Tony? Did you hear that? I have not, but I, when did you hear this? Like two days ago, I had like a, a notice on my phone. Anytime the SCOTUS makes a decision, it like sends me something. But I didn't like like read the article. I just kind of looked at it and they, they knocked it. It sounded like they fucking knocked down the, the thing that said that we couldn't have machine guns, which I thought was nuts. And then then they also just did a thing where I, and I do know this sort of for a fact that like uh, 
the Supreme Court just did a thing where they uh, they limited the EPA's uh, Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, they limited what they can do as far as regulating like farms and uh, emissions and things. Which, if that is true, that is fucking cool as shit. We've got like, the opposite. We've had a um uh, a bill go through on our essentially control nearly everything that we do on a farm or growing food in your backyard. So an unmarked uh, person who's a representative of the government can come in, check your property, check your food without disclaiming who they are or showing you who they are. They just walk in, do what they want. The, see, that was another thing that I was going to ask is like, you guys have no, you guys have no protection as far as like people can just come and fucking look at your house and do whatever the fuck they want. They can come on your property whenever they want. Um, prior to the pandemic, that was legally, that was the case, but now there's, or does now a police can enter your home without having a warrant under emergencies? We're still under a state of emergency in Victoria. So police and the state government have ultimate control. They've got more power than what the federal government does. How the fuck aren't there, like, the first thing that comes to my mind, because, like, you know, I was, like, kind of a criminal when I was a teenager. Like, why aren't there people impersonating cops saying, I need to investigate your house <laughs> and just rob the fuck out of you? Like, well, I think that's it. something to happen if things start to get a lot worse globally with food supplies and things that could happen very easily, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talking about like, what guns in the States at the moment, I saw that there's red flag laws that are passing federally now. That's quite yeah. dangerous. The fact that a government could dictate that you're a dangerous person because you're on a podcast talking about things that you're not allowed to talk about. So you get a knock yeah. on the door hit by feds. Dude, the memes that I post, they could, <laughs> they could, they could do anything they want. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah they, I think they just need someone to say that man's crazy. He's dangerous. You need to take his weapons. Yeah, yeah. Bro, I don't know. Man. I, yeah, he's growing his own food. Well, that's the other thing too. Is like FEMA. Like I, I read this article the other day. Is that they're keeping track of people that they consider preppers. So anyone that has like, if let's say like a supply chain thing happened, like, and everybody's fucked, if you're self-sufficient for 30 days, like if that's what they consider like a dangerous prepper, someone that, you know, has enough food to last for 30 days, that's, that makes you a criminal of the state or, or somebody of interest. And so they have a file on you and they're tracking you. So everything Mormon is being tracked right now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Telegram, I think as great as Telegram is for connecting people in our community around the world, I think that's definitely a, a bit yeah. of a sign itself. I know what that is. Yeah, we know yeah. what that is. Like Telegram is too fucking good, man. They let anybody talk and they let and they are letting everybody talk. And they let everybody say anything they want. And it like, yeah, I've definitely have thought about that and compared it to like uh what is that fucking what was that that Mao did the thousand flowers or whatever, where he like gave everybody like all these college students and all these young people. He's like where they went up and wrote down what they, they didn't like about the government. And then he just went out and lined yep. up the wall. Please. He gave him like a thousand days or something like that, or a hundred days, something like that uh, to like criticize. Yeah. To give like, he gave them all papers. Yeah. Give us your criticism. We want your feedback. And then everybody that had yeah, something critical to say either got executed or thrown in a gulag. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how I see Telegram. And so at some point they're going to round us up, but we're well, going to have to do it in the meantime. Yeah, and group chat not <laughs> private. So that's something that people still think. And the problem is 
Group chats aren't private on Telegram. No. They're not encrypted at all. And if you got a group chat with 10,000 people in it, it's going to be fed. Dude, in any chat that you have, any, like I don't care how encrypted anything you think you have is, nothing's encrypted. They don't allow things to be encrypted. Like that's not it's not a thing. <laughs> Snowden alluded. Snowden alluded to that even if your phone's turned off, someone's still listening to you. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. And and then someone was explaining to me um that basically it's like so your phone is like so let's say you turn off the the Wi-Fi or whatever and you turn off all the all that shit and it's not like it's not picking up a signal it's still recording everything you say and as soon as it gets signal it shoots it off so it's like it, you're never like you literally have to get rid of these things we have I I'm a government agent is listening right now. Well, I don't know if I'm important enough to have my own agent or not, but it, at least it's getting recorded and put in some fucking like algorithm file somewhere. Well, and, yeah, that's it. It's not necessarily because they're gonna like go through all the files and find people. It's like once they decide that they want to target you, they'll be able to like search. They, they got evidence of something for sure. And it's the problem is that the society is being built where you have to have a smart device with you to access anything. And I think a, a lot of what happened with COVID, with the QR check-ins and um, contactless like pickup and things like that, you have to have apps on your phone. You have to have apps on your phone to go to your banking now. It's you have to have apps to pay car registration in Australia. It's it's building in a system where if you don't, if you choose not to be within the system, you can't participate at all. You have to become a hermit. So I had heard some wild shit about Australia and maybe this was only the big cities and maybe this affected you. I don't know, but they were talking about like, you weren't allowed to be within like outside of a certain vicinity of your house. Right. You weren't allowed to go like you could go like, I don't know, a few kilometers out, but you can't go further or something yes. like that. And then you could only leave twice a day, once to exercise and one to go to a store or something like yeah, how we had six Six and a half, nearly seven lockdowns over the two years that we were shut down. Um, Melbourne was the most shut down um, city in the world. Um, it went from being the world's most livable city to the seventh most livable city with over 100,000 people leaving the state because of it. Um, we had, like you said, two hours a day we could leave our house, hour for exercise and hour to go to the shops to get essentials. Um, there was a five-kilometre limit on leaving your house. So in a lot of regional Australian towns, the corner store may not be within that five-kilometer bubble, and you're essentially stuffed. You couldn't go get anything. Um, so what do they allow you to do? Is there something you can do? Can you get order things in? Or um, I think that they, the country cops were quite good, and they had a bit of leeway. But the city of Melbourne itself had a ring of steel around it, where essentially there were barriers set up around the whole city, and cops were manning it with the army twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. And they had checkpoints. You couldn't get in. You couldn't get out unless you had certain permits by the government to allow you to go anywhere. What does the average Australian think about that? Unfortunately, I think the average Australian, because so many people live in Melbourne, and we call them Melbourneian hipsters because they're left-leaning voters and very socialist, they thought that the government was protecting them and helping them and it was okay to be locked down for two years. It's just what we had to do. Which, in hindsight, knowing everything we know now about it, it was a complete waste of time, effort, and resources. Do you think if they tried to do those things again, they would just people would just accept it again, or do you think there would be more resistance? Or 
I think if there was another form of lockdown, people would flip their lid and it wouldn't happen. Okay. Especially when monkeypox comes over there, then. <laughs> yeah, well, um, the last lockdown was when we saw the majority of the big riots in Melbourne or protests, I should call them, because they weren't riots, that's wrong. It was a riot on behalf of the Victorian police force, which I've always had the most utmost respect for. And that really took away a lot of public trust with the government. People were out protesting mandates. They didn't want the vaccine. Not. That's their that's their personal choice, right? It's their bodily autonomy. Ironically, what we're seeing now, and people have a different opinion on it. Um, we had people protesting because they were told, you have to have this vaccine by this date or you can't work. And our wonderful leader of the state, he made a blanket mandate. Anyone that had a job had to be vaccinated. So essentially 95% of my state are vaccinated at the moment because of this guy. And people went out to protest their rights and what they were met with was riot squad, um, emergency response teams in tanks with harp, um, radar dish weapons, yeah. bags, people getting shot in the back. Civilians <laughs> were getting hunted down like animals. And it was on live television and no one cared. That to me is the most wild thing. Because like what happened in Canada, dude, a lot of those people were fucking vaccinated. A lot of them were. And they were just like, you know what? Like, I'm vaccinated. I did this to protect my family or whatever. I did this because I thought it was the right thing at the time. But like, I don't think everyone should be forced to have this medical like treatment, you know? And so like, they were fucking just protesting and they were being treated like fucking like, yeah, like you said, like, like criminals did. They, they rounded up, rounded them up like animals and stuff. But Canada was fucking cool, dude. It was, it was nice to see a backbone in yeah. Canada because right. like, I didn't think they had it in them and they, they fucking protested harder than Americans did like by far. Absolutely. It, I was impressed. I was absolutely impressed with the Canadians. I was like, wow. I, you know, I mean, and a lot of those guys, like I'm an anarchist myself. So like a lot of them are a little too statist for me and they're a little too nationalist or right wing or whatever. But I was like, dude, if you like at, at some point, like my line changed, it's like, if you are for medical freedom, you're my ally. At this point, it's like I have to take an ally where I can get one. And it's like, even if they're a little Trumpy and weird and like Q-tarded or whatever, I'll, I'll, like you're my brother in arms, man. It's absolutely nuts world. We went from being what we always assumed was a democratic first world country to having all of that turned on its head. And I think for the people who realized what Australia actually is, it's opened their eyes. And that's probably the good thing that's happened. So post mandates and all those protests, post people getting shot in the back by their own police force and trampled by horses, all those horrible scenes. We had one of the largest protests in Victorian history where 150,000 people, a mix of vaccinated and unvaccinated alike, protested against an extension of um, permanent pandemic orders. It ended up going through because the government had the power in parliament to pass it, but a majority of people came out to protest it in the city. And we've yeah. never seen that numbers before. So people are waking up. That gives me hope. Um but yeah, it's been a crazy two years, man. That's for sure. You know, the wild thing too, though, is that they were actually afraid of, the, of this shit. They didn't want people to see it. And like, there were like live, there's like, so there's like cameras of like live streams of cities at all time. Like you could see like downtown, uh, like Barcelona and like Frankfurt, Germany and things like that. They were having to replace the feed. So like if I would go down there, I, I could click on it right now and be like, let's see what's going on in Frankfurt, Germany. They were like putting like a old, 
stuff where so like the city was just like functioning normally but really there was like 500,000 people down there protesting saying fuck this you know <laughs> getting all crazy and they were having they were like they were literally changing it in real time so you couldn't see what was going on it was the same with the media representation like unless i had contacts within the community or telegram or instagram or any of these places or podcasts i listened to the average australian had no idea what was happening outside of australia yeah, you do the same with Americans. You might have seen little snippets of what's happening around the world. You had no idea, or the way that they would like, yeah, the way they would like a craft the narrative. They'd be like, several hundred protesters showed up, and you're like, several hundred? There was half a million people there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and they would just try to like they would downplay it, and then it's just wild, man. But, but they play it to the advantage as well. Mostly peaceful protests. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, that was a meme that I made after Roe v. Wade. I was like, I was like. What, that fucking meme with a Ned Stark. I'm actually wearing a fucking whatever the stupid Game of Thrones shirt on. But he's like, uh, him with the sword, and he's like, oh, God damn it, I can't even think of it. But he's like, like, uh, what the hell did he say? Anyways, he's like, mostly peaceful protests are coming. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's it's uh, fascinating that the media in the States is trying to push um, January 6th as like the insurrection where america almost fell and democracy was at risk but it literally happened when there was the protest with Chaz. like they literally took over a whole what was a city block it was a couple was a, city blocks yeah it was i think it was six city blocks that they took over yeah it was, dude that was so cool <laughs> i'm i'm all for it it just it sucks that that was like the one that they let happen because like I, like i want to see shit like that happen i want to see community say like hey no more police aren't allowed in this anymore we are going to self-govern this area. Like I, I want to see like more like balkanized. I want to see like uh, secession movements and I want to see like the whole state of Oregon where I'm at. I want them to say like, yeah, we don't recognize federal mandates anymore. We don't recognize federal law here anymore. Uh, Oregon is going to do their own thing. I want to see more shit like that happen. But unfortunately the folks that were doing that in Chaz were a bunch of weirdo, like leftist Anifa, like commies. Well, and- the person who was running that had all these government contracts too. Yeah, dude, it was like, it, it, so fucking. Like, there's the, a reason why they let it happen, and for as long as it did, you know what I mean, and why the mayor was saying it's a summer of love, <laughs> and she was like, the mayor herself is like, they're just they're just young people, and they're just what the fuck did you say? I can't even remember. But she described it as a summer of love until they went down there and started like protesting in front of her house. They started, and then she was like, "All right, lock the shit down." And then they sent, they sent it like fucking SWAT teams and shit. Was she the one that looks like Beetlejuice? The yeah, that's, no, Chicago. that's in Chicago. That Chicago. that's Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, no. I can't remember the name of the lady that that was the mayor of fucking Seattle because she's not important. I, or <laughs> or the mayor. Yeah, whatever whatever segment of that. She was some some asshole. I don't remember what her she name. She looks was. pretty nondescript. Like I think. So, control mechanisms in place i could definitely see america as such a polarized nation quickly becoming um balkanized very well i think honestly that's the way that it has to be unless we want a full-on fucking civil war like i think that like because there's so many people like we believe this well we believe this and like you can't have like like the majority of california unfortunately are a bunch of crazy fucking radical crazy fucking leftists that want to like want to give like healthcare and like 
free housing and this and that to homeless people and and like you know that kind of shit that like literally they're they're almost fucking bankrupt california has like a big economy but they don't have any fucking money they're in so much debt and they're trying to do that shit now they're saying like we want uh, like illegal immigrants to have free health care we want them to have free housing we want them to have like and like i like those are lofty goals and things like that but like we, you can't afford it it doesn't make any fucking sense and so like but the other huge chunk of California, like, do you, do you know, like most people don't know this California, I think has the most uh, Republicans in the state. Uh, like they have the most Republicans than any other state in like in the country. Yeah. People I don't think know that shit. Like the majority of fucking California, like, <laughs> like the same way. we have the state of Melbourne, which if you look at a voting map, um, red would be labor. So the city of Melbourne itself is red. It's always going to be left wing. And the rest of the state is green or blue. So those traditional um, types of voting platforms. So the majority of the state doesn't want to be that way. But because the density of the population is isolated to one city, we have to like it and lump it. And I think it's the same with California by the sound of it. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And, and that's the whole thing with like New York too. Like New York City is progressive as fuck. If you go upstate New York, they have fucking Confederate flags. <laughs> like what the fuck you guys are in the north but like they're like crazy fucking hillbillies and shit they don't play with that stuff it's wild and so like i think that they had to strike down roe v wade or there was going to be some serious shit that was going to happen or, i mean and maybe there's going to be some serious shit that's going to happen regardless but like like you're just going to have to let alabama be alabama you're gonna have to let california be california you know what I mean? And so if you want more conservative folks that want, you know, that don't want fucking abortions, you're going to have to let them go to a fucking state that that's OK. And people that want to have crazy abortions, they want to use it like birth control, then they're going to have to go to a more progressive state. And it's, it's an argument that I don't really like using all that often. But if you don't like it, leave. Like, that's the argument. Well, they they'd always do that. Like the mandate in the state. Why don't you leave? Or well, if, if you don't like the abortion laws in the state and it doesn't drive with your moral compass, leave and go to a place that supports your views. Well, also to get back to the whole theatrical magic, how many people would actually give a shit about this one way or the other if they weren't told to think about it? Because all it does is basically say like, it's a state thing. So it's not really like, it's not going to, like whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, it doesn't really change anything. Like there's still going to be abortions. You're still going to be able to get abortion. Like, you know, like it, it just feels like where that line is to whether or not it's legal here or you have to drive, you know, somewhere is going to be made at a different jurisdiction. It's beautiful. Here's some media magic for you, Tony. It's actually impacted Australia. In Melbourne over the weekend, we had pro-choice protests from people who are pro-abortion in Australia who aren't impacted by anything that's happening in the United States. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. rights. At the same time, a counter protest was happening to end all mandates within our state for vaccines, and they were fighting each other. They literally had the same view: we want a choice what happens with our body, and they were yeah. fighting each other. Yeah, that's wild to me that like there's people protesting in Australia over something that happened like 17 hours away in a fucking you know like the time zones like. Yeah, it's fucking nuts, dude. It's so silly. And then Europe getting all up and gump, their gump in it. And like, Europe has more restrictive abortion laws than America does. Yeah, absolutely. Like America, you could literally be like, my due date's tomorrow. Kill it. And they'll fucking do it. They'll like, all right, and we'll, we'll go in there and we'll chop it up in pieces. We'll snip its neck. We'll do this and that. And we'll pull it out in chunks and then we're going to sell it. And 
well, it's a slippery slope analogy. Like things are allowed, and a lot of what a lot of times, yeah, it's okay. It's a good thing that's been allowed, but then it just opens the floodgates to other things. Like, am I correct in assuming that there are was it California or New York that were allowing post birth abortions? So, and there was more than that too, more states than that. Um, and they were, so I don't know, I don't know if you call it yes and no. So what would happen is be like, so this lady would come in at like nine and a half months or something. She was like, I want this thing dead. And they're like, okay. And so the only safe way to do it is they would actually have to like give birth to the fucking baby, pull it out alive and then they would kill it. Yeah. So like, it's fucking wild, dude. And then you'll find these Democrats that like, They'll explicitly say, yes, even then. You're like, even after the baby's fucking born, it's breathing. It has a heartbeat. It's alive. It's here. You still support it being dead? And they're like, yeah. So do they put it on the altar of Baal at that point? Or are they just going to take away all it, this? Well, what they say is they, they put it in a room and they and they make it comfortable. And then, then they just let it die. That's even creepier. It's worse. Yeah. No, dude, it's, it's totally wild to me. And so here's a, here's a fascinating like uh, uh, conversation that uh, people have definitely talked about this. So this isn't like breaking ground or anything, but like this whole concept of like after Roe v. Wade is going to be like, you know, shot down or whatever, it's going to make these progressive States make more crazy laws. Like, so the progressive States are going to make it like way more fucking crazy. And like to the point where, Basically, let's say you come there nine and a half months pregnant or eight, whatever, where the fetus is viable, right? Even at six and a half months pregnant, some, a lot of times the fucking the fetus is viable. The babies like can live outside. So you go in there and you sign it away and you're like, yep, abortion. Well, then that government owns that baby and it's officially dead on the records. But let's say they take it to that room. That, that's a dead baby at that point, even though it's alive. What can they do with it? Can they use it for whatever they want? Can they do experiments on it? Can they use it for like parts where they can sell it? Can they use it for adrenochrome? Can they let it get older? It's officially dead. It's off the books. It's off the records. You're never going to see it again. It's gone. Like, can they use it for fucking sex work? Can they, can they do whatever they want? Like, it's, it's officially not a human anymore. You've signed it away. You've said, that's my baby. You can kill it. Like, who the fuck knows? Start purchasing babies and they have literal humans as, Literal humans that are dead people. This they, they don't have a birth certificate. They they have no records. They have, this is just a who the fuck knows, dude. That's fascinating as fuck to think about and horrible. Very horrible. <laughs> I don't know. So we've gone way off topic. We want to pick back up on cryptids or <laughs> yeah. So another cryptid um, that you see within Australia. It's it's not so much a cryptid as it is you could dissociate it with UFOs or seeing lights are called bun-bun lights. So within Aboriginal culture, that lights would appear orbs around camps at night and you were told as a child or a member of the, of the clan of the tribe to stay close to the fire because you're protected and if you wander off, the bun-bun lights would get you. And generally, when you're taken by these bun-bun lights, you'd come back and there'd be a, a substantial amount of missing time, like a week or a couple of days or even a few hours. Yeah. Um, that's seen in the South Gippsland Highway in the area that I live. One night when I was coming back from a, a, a nearby town, it's usually a 40-minute drive. I was driving home, and I spoke about this when I was on um, Deborah Gets Red Pilled, that I was driving home on this country back highway at night, and we've got a lot of people with four-wheel drives in our area being quite mountainous and country, and they have the big floodlights and everything on them. I thought it was just a young guy in his ute coming down the highway full pelt with his floodlights on and everything. Oh, Jesus, that's, that's bloody bright. And 
kept looking at it. I'm like, when's this, this dickhead going to pass me? Like he's got his driving lights on, his flood lights. I can't see. And the event, the light came past, past me. I, at that point, I noticed it wasn't a car. My car shut down on the road, just stopped working, and it flew past. Car was dead, and it was, as soon as I couldn't see the light anymore, I could start my car back up, and it was fine, and I drove off. I had a horrible headache for a couple of days, five or six days, and it wasn't until I got home that I realized I was missing an hour out of the time that I drove home. So a 40-minute drive somehow became an hour and 40 minutes, and I'd lost time in that and had a headache for a couple of days. So your wife either thought you were having an affair, and you're like, no, sweetie. It was an orb that flew over the car. That's yeah. why I was an hour late. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and fuck, you might have had an affair. I mean, not one that was consensual. They might have done all kinds of things to your asshole. I can hope not. <laughs> that's <laughs> wild man i it, it's funny that you say the fire is a protector because like I, it still reminds me uh this was an anniversary trip that we me and the wife took we went out to like real rural oregon there's parts of oregon that's like we went out to like the painted hills is what they call it they're these beautiful majestic fucking hills that have like, all these crazy like minerals and deposits that make them look like rainbow stripes and shit they're really fucking pretty but there's nobody out there, dude. We were like, the closest town was like a half hour drive. Like, and that was like the nearest where humans would be. Uh, and there wouldn't be many of them. So we were like kind of by Mitchell, Oregon. That's what it's called. If anybody wants to look this up. And and we were essentially like camping. Like we we do wilderness camping. We are wilderness camping like, uh, like, yeah, basically in the middle of fucking nowhere. And we, we had a, we had a campfire going and we were like sitting around, we were staring up at the stars and just having a good time. And, and we saw this fucking, it was a big glowing orb that came up off the mountain and just like, and like, we're, it was like fucking with us, dude. And like, to this day, I still don't know what the fuck it was. Like to me, it's a UFO unidentified flying object. Right. And it, it would like come close to us. And then it would back away and then it would like, it, it would, and it like, I don't know, dude, like we felt a presence and we felt like a weird fucking presence from it. Like it was trying to communicate with us. And our first thought was like, let's get in the car, let's drive, let's get the fuck away from this thing. But like it, it's like, we were so out in the middle of nowhere that and there's one highway, like this thing would have got us if it wanted to. And it didn't fuck with us because we didn't leave the side of the campfire. Interesting. And I wonder if we had, I don't know if there's like, there's weird rules, right? Like if they can't stay close to the campfire kids, if you stay close to the campfire, it can't get you or it won't get you. Like that's fascinating. I wonder if it would have came and grabbed us if we would have left. Yeah. Even on a physical level, like humans have always used the campfire as protection from wild animals. So maybe it has that spiritual protection as well. We don't know. Tony, yeah, um, it might be something holy. Yeah. Paranormal or cryptid experiences of yourself? I don't. No, I don't have anything that relevant into the paranormal. Um, I saw possibly what was a UFO or military ship. There's like a green cigarette-shaped light that went across the sky. That was about as far as I went. I didn't get a feeling or a sensation from it. It was just really weird to see something in the sky that I had no category for. Um. Could have been like a UFO thing. Like, I gotta know. It's like it's a bunch of people. I was at a festival. Every I was tripping. Everyone was like in the middle of a drum circle. Like it was a perfect time to see an alien. 
<laughs> but also, yeah, yeah. Early that night, I was at the same. I was at the same festival, but I left too soon, so I missed. Yeah, you it. left early. You left <laughs> early, but like, there's a bunch of people chanting, and I think people were chanting about a UFO at some point, and then just looked up in the sky and collectively saw that. But no, no, like nothing of this world, or not that I felt that was ultra terrestrial. No. It wasn't like a spiritual thing. It was very much like this is technology from our military, someone else's military, something else's military. Well, I think there's definitely enough bases in the US and uh, large companies that work for the military industrial complex that they could be buzzing a few things around that who knows? Yeah, yeah I got to try. I'll test some shit. And I mean, that was a good place to monitor if they want to come and check us out. Because, like, it's a pretty cool thing. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere in, like, a little peninsula in Washington. And it's, like, on a buddy of ours, like, 10 acres, really pretty. And, like, he opened up. It's a fucking cool thing. He opened it opened it up as, like, a big camp out and, like, Freedom Festival in the middle of fucking lockdowns. Like, this was, like, in, like in 2020, like, right? It was, like, in October, I think, the first one they did. Somewhere around there. So it was like around the end of the year, it was cold as shit. That was, that's when they f- had their first one. And so it, it's called the, actually, that's what this flag is from. It's the Sasquatch Freedom Festival. <laughs> it's, cool. it's pretty awesome. Uh, and yeah, so. Truth Ziller, is that the, where I would have heard of it from? What's that? I think I might have heard this through Truth Zilla. Um, yeah, they were there. Yeah, Scott's yeah. been there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Scott. And then uh, Scott is doing, uh, well, I mean, he moved to Tennessee, obviously, but like he last year, he had started a a, a like a freedom festival out here in Oregon, and uh-huh. I think we're, we're going to be a part of it. There, uh, I think I'm doing a live stream. Tony, you should be part of that too. I think that's that's coming up here, like awesome. the 17th. Yeah, we're going to do a live stream. I'm going to try to get a couple cool folks to come on, and yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah, I'm so still coming. Yeah, people are still coming. Yeah, they're they're gonna make it happen, which is cool. And, and Scott's gonna be Scott's gonna uh, do stuff too from because he's out there. He's working. He's doing the Last American Vagabond like studio thing out there. He's working with uh, Ryan Christian, and I think he's gonna do a live stream out there too. So that'll be cool. Um, uh, oh well, I was just gonna say the only cryptid that I think that I've ever seen, and I still say I think because you know I was a kid. Uh, this was uh this was actually at Yellowstone too when I was a kid. I think it was probably about ten. Uh I swear to God we saw a jackalope and we tried to chase it and catch it. And that's that's a cryptid that's out there where it's a rabbit that has fucking antelope horns. Ah, yeah, that's um you see it in taxidermy a lot, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And I swore to God we saw it. <laughs> I don't know. And it, it's one of those things where I have like a memory of it, but like I don't trust my own memory of it, so like, I don't know. <laughs> but we definitely saw a fucking rabbit and we were chasing it. But, like, in our kid, in our, like, child minds, we're like, that's a fucking jackalope. It has horns. So, and, I don't and, know. You know me doing a documentary about Bigfoot, so you might say that very soon. Who knows? We might, man. Yeah, that's – I think we're going to start trying to film uh, maybe the end of July. Uh, definitely in August, we're going to start doing some – yeah, that's a buddy of mine, Ben Ingram Tejada. Shout out to you, buddy. Um, he, uh, he, I think he has a YouTube channel. He, he just wrote a book about cryptids and things like that. He's an interesting cat. Like, actually, I should hook you guys up. You guys should talk. Um, and yeah, he's a fucking, he's a neat dude. And I think we're gonna, 
yeah, we're gonna we're gonna film a fucking documentary, which is really cool. At the um, like the American Nessie. So he was talking. It was a South American thing. Uh, this is in oh, Venezuela, in like this really secluded. Like you have to take a fucking boat, I think. For you have to take a helicopter first to get out there, and then you have to fucking take a boat like forever to get to this one spot. It's I think it's called like Angel Falls, and it's this really secluded fucking area where they have all these lakes and all these rivers that are running in this like really secluded place out there. And there's been tons of reports, and I think even a couple photographs of this little it's a little messy yeah nice. so it's it's like it's like lock the Loch Ness monster but much smaller and yeah it's it's fascinating it's a great book that's yeah my buddy wrote that book and uh we're gonna try to yeah we're gonna try to find fucking bigfoot dude like we've had a he's talked to a couple folks that like uh like on message boards and stuff that have given him like local sightings of bigfoot and stuff so we're gonna like i think there's a couple spots that we're gonna check out and we're going to spend a few weekends out there and film the whole time. We're, we we like we don't know what we're doing. Like it, like I keep telling my my audience like if you know what you're doing come give us some advice. If you have some equipment you let us borrow that'd be awesome. Like we have a few GoPros. We have a, we have a drone with a camera. Uh you know, we're just going to make something happen. So <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen but maybe we'll find Bigfoot. To try and get it. There's like wood knocking. Some people think mind speak is something you can do to make contact with them. Who knows? Yeah, I think we're definitely going to do some weird ceremonies. Like, we're going to try to fucking get him there. We're going to, like, <laughs> we're going to try to, like, seance him there. And then we're going to go hunting. We're going to, like, okay, Bigfoot, come here, come here. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be fun, dude. Yeah. And uh, I, I already talked, to, I was on one of Sam Tripoli's uh, shows. It's called Only Conspiracies um, a while back. And he said, like, Anytime, hit him up, and I think he's going to help us like promote the documentary once we have it uh, like filmed, and he's going to help us like do that. So that would be really cool. I don't know, like I have zero expectations going into this, so whatever happens out of it is going to be cool. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's experience, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, you have to do one first, right? Like that's it. You know, before you, <laughs> before who knows? Like maybe we'll fucking make a series of documentaries or. Who the fuck knows? So, hell yeah, man. Perfect. Yeah. Um, are there any uh, cryptids that we that we miss? Some Australian ones you want to shout out real fast? Or um, Australia's got heaps. We've got the the bunyip, the yowie is our version of Bigfoot, hairy man. Um, Taramulli is like a giant version. So I know that in some states you have the giant Bigfoot, which is really big. We've got a similar one. Um, the bunyip is like an aquatic type of swamp or river creature that would come out and snatch people and drag them away to eat them in the swamps. Um, very territorial. There's Yaramayahu, which is a like a vampire type of cryptid. So in Aboriginal um, mythology, there's this creature that looks like a, almost like a red frog. It's like humanoid with huge head. And it would drop down out of trees with its suction cup hands and it drain the blood out of you. And when you drop dead, you'd wake back and you'd become the same type of creature. So that's another one that's spoken about that's, Thankfully, it is very vampiric. Yeah, he he turns you into one. Yeah, you become one of the creatures. Wow, it's always and are you always that way, or can you like appear human? Or I think from what I've read and from what I've, the conversations I've had is that it's you're that way. It's it turns you into one, but it's almost very skinwalkerish that they um when you become one, you target your own tribe from then on. You don't go after any other other clans. So, uh, it's, 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 
you have to kill one of your own tribe to become one of those creatures. So it's it's almost like a play on that where you ha- you have to from then on you have to target your own people, which is pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy that got you was one of your tribe. Your tribe, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> That's fucking nifty, dude. I don't know enough about American cryptids, to be honest. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to talk. I want to talk to somebody that knows more about like Wendigos and like, <laughs> like some of the native here cryptids and stuff. Like, yeah, it's fascinating, dude. It, it's just so much to me. It's like so much of this is talked about, and so many. There's so many connections between all these different cultures and all these different like similar stories that like it can't just be mythology. To no. me. Cultures that are separated by oceans and hundreds of thousands of years have all got similar stories. So either it's a collective knowledge we've all got or it's something we've all experienced before. Yeah, I agree, man. Well, shit, Drew, this was a hell of a lot of fun, man. We should do it again. And we don't have to talk. We can just talk shit. We can just have fun. And yeah, I, I, yeah I appreciate you coming on. Uh, do you want to tell our audience one more time where they can find you and – yeah, sure. I'm Drew from Your Missing the Point podcast. You can find me on Podbean and iTunes um, and wherever else you find your podcasts um, or podcatchers. And I'm also on Instagram as Missing the Point. And you can reach to me on Gmail at drewmissing88 at gmail.com and catch me there. Thanks, brother. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to hit the outro. And thanks again, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Sure.